and welcome to Mash Mouth, a podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970s sitcom, Mash. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Ethan. Ethan, today's episode features like kind of a shoddy gift. It's not great. We'll get into the context of it in the episode. But I wanted to talk about any time that we have gotten kind of a not great gift. <laughs> um, so I remember during my childhood, my <laughs> dad's family, they would give really bad gifts at Christmas and like any birthdays and stuff. So because they were out of state, like they didn't know when our birthdays were. They were very much removed from us. So I remember... My grandfather sent these, like, flea market terrible, terrible gifts, and I got this stuffed animal dog, and then I started- I was allergic to it. I don't know how, (laughs) but it was so, like, old and disgusting that I was allergic to it, and I couldn't play with it, and I was so sad because I was just a kid. (laughs) I just think it's funny, and then, like- They would send us gifts for our birthday, but they would only remember my birthday and no one else's (laughs) for whatever reason. Um, I guess because I was the first kid. So it was just like, oh, okay. And then my sister's birthday would come a month after mine and just nothing. Nothing. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's just like, well, I I know I'm putting my dad's family on blast, but it's fine. Um, But yeah, so that's my story about kind of getting not great gifts. (laughs) Okay, so I have a similar story, actually, and uh, I apologize to my grandma if she ever listened (laughs) to this. I love you, grandma, but this is just a very, very funny thing that happened. So around when I was like 18 or 19, my grandma for that holiday season decided to send me, my brother, and my sister shirts that said, I'm the middlest, I'm the youngest, and I'm the oldest. (laughs) And we were like, me and my sister were like both out of high school at this point. And my brother was fully like 13 years old. Like, what were we going to do with these? It was such an odd, such a strange gift. Like, I, grandma, again, love you dearly. Thank you for the gift. But it was such a like little kid gift that we were not like annoyed that we received it. We were just like. We have no idea what to even do with these. Like, we're never going to, like, wear these. I can't believe I haven't seen a picture of the three of you guys in those shirts. I need it. Simple. We haven't worn them. (laughs) I would honestly love to see that. That's also so funny. That's crazy. We love love a crazy, like, grandparent gift moment. (laughs) Isn't that, like, peak grandma? Isn't that, like, the greatest grandma thing? (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) Okay, so speaking of bad gifts, (laughs) um, we should get into this episode. So in today's episode, Payday, Hawkeye is the paymaster in charge of distributing everyone's wages. He gets an unexpected bonus for his troubles that get him very much in trouble when someone from HQ comes around to arrest him for stealing from the U.S. government. (laughs) So Ethan, what did you think about this episode? This episode was wild. Um, <laughs> like, you know how last week we kind of, not complained, but we were like, okay, so this is just a sitcom episode. Mm-hmm. This is like a sitcom episode, but it's a crazy sitcom episode. It like, is. This is the kind is. of wacky nonsense that I want for MASH when they're not interested in like doing 
a more complex story. Like, if every episode was this kind of zany, let's say, (laughs) we would have no problems at all. Because this is just such an enjoyable, odd story to have, you know? Yeah, it is exactly. It has so many mash-isms in it. it it's, I know I say this a lot, but it's so mash, <laughs> this episode. Mm-hmm. And I I absolutely love this episode. And as I said before, it has one of my favorite mash lines like of all time. This is probably one of my favorite mash episodes just in general. I yeah. love this episode so much. <laughs> Stay tuned for favorite lines where I actively try to guess Vanessa's favorite line of all time. <laughs> yes, and it's we gonna can't be wait for like that. the most boring one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get into more of the plot of this episode. I know from my several re- rewatches of this show that Hawkeye is the paymaster multiple times throughout the series. But oh, I th- cool. Yeah, I think that this is the first episode where he is like featured as Paymaster and it's I think like so. it doesn't get any better <laughs> from mm-hmm. here for him. Um I I love <laughs> when they introduce something in the very beginnings of the show and then they use that plot line in further seasons. I don't know. Something about that is very like nostalgic for me. <laughs> You get to see it build in the the new iterations of it. Yes, but, uh, yes. Speaking of lines, I really like that in the beginning of this episode, um, Radar is like, as you know, you're paymaster for the day and blah, blah, blah. And Hawkeye is just like, yeah, I know, because I'm, I'm not a guy who walked into a movie late. Like, I understand what's going on, <laughs> which is such like a meta line to explain away exposition that everyone there knows. And he's like, yeah, you're giving me exposition right now. I know. Let's just get to work. It was interesting, though, because I feel like people could grasp the concept of like, okay, Hawkeye is in charge of distributing pay pretty easily without Radar having to have read that whole like thing. I mean, it added to the comedy because Radar just reading it in the most monotone robotic voice was very funny, but it was mm-hmm. it was an interesting choice to be like, yeah, explaining what paymaster is. Like we all know what a paymaster is, I would think. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Unless you're 8 years old watching this and never uh <laughs> set foot in a job environment. Yeah, maybe 12-year-old Vanessa appreciated this more than I remember. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. I also think it's always so sweet that Father Mulcahy is always pulling for the orphans. Like on payday, he has this little like rummage sale set up to mm-hmm. help the orphans. It's just, it makes my heart so happy. <laughs> and then he gets nothing but like four IOUs and uh, I'm going to burn through all my lines like in the episode. <laughs> yeah, I, maybe, I thought maybe it was so them. funny. <laughs> okay. Thought it was so funny that someone offered to give a bishop a nose job. Like, that's a delight. (laughs) I loved that. So, like we said, it starts out with Hawkeye kind of uh, setting up to be paymaster. He is dealing with all the enlisted personnel's uh, non-officers' pay. So, I just wanted to point out, case in point from last episode when I said Hawkeye does not salute unless it's very extreme or important circumstances. So... The first uh, person to come get his pay salutes Hawkeye like three times and Hawkeye Mm -hmm. just waves. (laughs) He does not salute Mm -hmm. back. And I just wanted to point out, (laughs) yes, you will start seeing it a lot more now. Um, What I really liked in terms of Hawkeye, you know, not necessarily playing the military game by the rules is that 
uh, you know, there's this whole little running thing in this opening bit with Frank being like, well, Klinger can't be paid. He's not in uniform. And then the second Klinger shows up in this slightly more uniform-esque dress that he's wearing. He's just like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Sign your Jane Hancock here. And Klinger's just like, ah, bless you, sir. And, you know, <laughs> Frank is, Frank's real mad. But that is just such the Hawkeye energy of like, well... You know, people are living their lives. I'm going to give them money anyway. I loved um, when Klinger came up <laughs> to collect his pay. And um, <laughs> they give their army IDs to Hawkeye so that he can give them their pay. And Klinger gives his measurements. <laughs> oh, was that his measurements? I didn't even, I didn't even notice yes! that. I'm not yes! smart enough for that. <laughs> it took me a second. It did take me a second, but... <laughs> Just something about all the humor in this episode just really hit so well for me. I loved it. And then in this little scene, this episode jumps around a lot, but we Mm -hmm. get the introduction of the poker game again. And I really liked how this one particular scene was shot from above. I think that that's always so interesting. Our boy High Haberback really always showing that he is at the top of his game when it comes to shooting the show in interesting ways. Everything with the poker games is always, like, well shot. Like, if they're doing, like, good cinematography, odds are it's because they're having a poker game, like, weirdly (laughs) enough. Um, But I I like this poker game section a lot, too, how it, like, ran through the episode Mm -hmm. and the way that it, like, intersected. Um, Because, you know, Radar comes in and he gives Henry his payment and it just immediately goes into the poker game, which I thought, or more so with Trapper. But I, I just like the idea that these guys finally get some money and they're just blowing it immediately, <laughs> just gambling yeah, it just, away. Yeah, we'll get to it at the end, but Trapper is just completely broke by the end of it. He has gambled away his entire paycheck for the month. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? But I thought this one particular scene in this introduction of the poker game was super funny when Father Mulcahy comes in to join and he's like going to be gambling and that just feels like something that a priest just wouldn't typically do. But you know that he's doing it for the orphans and it's just so sweet. And (laughs) Trapper tells Father Mulcahy like, oh yeah, sure, pull up a seat, but no extra help, meaning like no extra help from God. And then Father Mulcahy just (laughs) shoots up a look at the ceiling as if like he was going to be relying on that, but now he feels like he can't because it was a, uh, he said he wouldn't. Oh my God. It was just everything. Like I said, everything comedy wise, especially with this poker game was just so funny for me. Yes. uh, Everything with Father Mulcahy is always so fun because you get to see him kind of Never, he never goes past his boundaries, right? But I like that he is actively participating in less than Christian activities mm-hmm. for the uh, the church and everything. Like I would watch a movie about like a priest who has to become like a card shark to save the orphanage. That'd be an incredible film. I think that's just Sister Act, dude. <laughs> <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> Father Mulcahy would work so well in the Sister Act universe, I think, personally. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know his sister plays basketball, so maybe maybe it is all connected. There we go. There we go. That's his sister was Mother Superior. That's it. We're here for it. This is the canon I need. <laughs> so 
<laughs> Hawkeye is, of course, expressing his contempt about being paymaster because Hawkeye doesn't like bureaucratic anything. He doesn't like uh-huh. to be obligated for anything. Of course, this is not new. The um, little anarchist is this delightful <laughs> little man. Meanwhile, I loved the scene where he's making a hot dog. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, after he has all, he's distributed all the pay and whatnot, he has this $10 left over and he gives it to Radar and Radar just freaks out. He's like, no, we have to fill out forms if there's an overage or a shortage. Ah, the forms. And it's just very funny. <laughs> it's very Radar, you know. Yeah. And Hawkeye, of course, doesn't care at all. He's not. He's like, he's yeah, 10 whatever. Bucks, dude. So this kind of sets off the the plot of this part of the story of Hawkeye just being like, yeah, well, the U.S. Army cost me like $3,000 in my private practice and or like in my practice at home and, and this, that, and the other thing. So really, the U.S. Army owes me money. So mm-hmm. screw them. <laughs> and I just wanted to point out, I just wanted to point out yes. that this little <laughs> continuity corner, because Hawkeye had established before that he worked in a hospital and now he's saying that he has a civilian practice. So I'm like, hmm. I don't know about this. <laughs> oh my god. What are That's we going to do saying. here? Show ruined. Worst episode ever. <laughs> Maybe he's talking about the pay that he gets from the hospital. I don't know. Maybe. But but I think that's a little fishy. <laughs> yeah. Um I really like that in this episode just all Hawkeye wanted to do was like make out with this like random nurse. <laughs> I, I, I liked how like pure that was, that it was just the thing that he wanted to do this episode was just basically going a pretty good date. And like honestly respect. Everything else was getting in the way. Even the the crazy circumstances later, uh he was just like, come on, like leave me alone. Give give me five <laughs> minutes, please. Which you really felt the exhaustion here. Yeah, all he wanted to do was go on this date with this nurse and just throughout the entire episode, we'll get into it a little bit later, everybody just kept interrupting because of this paymaster, like basically like bullshit. And he was just like, this is bullshit, guys. Come on. I'm just trying to get my rocks off here. (laughs) Okay, that's a little, but yeah, he just wants to chill out for like a day and they won't let him do it. No, that's the army for you. (laughs) Okay, so in the beginning also of this episode, there was this one shot of uh, this Korean vendor, and he's played by Jack Sue, who played Charlie Lee in To Market to Market, the second episode of the series. So we get Mm -hmm. another continuity corner of Jack Sue being recast in this role. Such an odd thing, right? Because he's basically playing the same character if that character wasn't a, a general in the army. Because Charlie Lee was like like a kind of, not fraud, but, a, you know, a bit of a con man. And he's kind of playing a con man again, but like a different guy. So it was a bit weird, but again, great to see him. Like he has great presence and like great charisma. So it's just like, hey, it's you again. Love I to was- see it. I was thinking that maybe this isn't even a continuity thing. Maybe this is just his alternative identity. 
when right when like the black market or something dried up and he or he was found out or something like that there could be any number of possibilities you know why he would need to change his identity so maybe this is just him that's just changing his identity that's so fun i will uh i'd I'd read that fan fiction and or write it who knows (laughs) i'm into it i'm into it so like you said he almost played like a con man he was a vendor he was just trying trying to make his money and he sells Frank this string of pearls and also an imitation set of pearls. <laughs> and this starts out, I guess, what would be the main like B plot of the episode. <laughs> this is yeah. great. This is so funny. I really liked this part of the episode because it was all a like con job from Margaret. Like she doesn't normally get to do these kind of like uh, Ocean's Eleven style like heist <laughs> things that Hawkeye and Trapper usually get up to. But she realizes very quickly that Frank is going to give her the imitation pearl set. So she kind of finagles her way into getting the real one. And I just thought her whole scheme was very funny and very subtle too. Um, Because mm-hmm. I don't know how pearls work, so I didn't know if she was telling the truth or not. But, like, when it all kind of comes to plan and, you know, things work out, uh, it was just really fun to see her have this little success and kind of be <laughs> more on Hawkeye's level than ever before, honestly. That's so funny that you mentioned that, because when I was watching the episode, I noted that... You know, it does. It doesn't feel like Margaret would typically buy anything from this guy. You know, it seems a little bit out of character for her. But she was saying like, "Oh, this place is so drab. This place, I, I just want something fun and pretty that'll make this make the camp better for me." And I feel like that indicates that she's also sick of this place as well, because you wouldn't normally think that Margaret would be the one to get homesick or mm-hmm. be like, I, I can't deal with the army anymore. I can't deal with being in Korea right now with this war um, because the army's her whole life. So you don't typically see that from her. And that, again, to me, indicates that she she's more on the side of Hawkeye and Trapper than we might think think she is um so that was just that that part alone just really did it for me as well yeah it was very fun to see i also loved that the vendor played by jack sue said to frank oh i have this really beautiful set of pearls and then i'll throw in this cheap imitation set and he's like why he says to him, well, you're married, so it's just like it, it, you must be basically an adulterer. And I love that I love that he got pegged so easily <laughs> as the <laughs> adulterer. <laughs> no, that was very funny. I really enjoyed that uh, how he describes Frank is that he's like, oh, he has what we in Korea call a real fertilizer face. Not quite <laughs> ferret face, but we're we're on the right track there. We're on the right track. Um, I thought it was like like you said, Margaret kind of immediately knows because uh, this Korean vendor tells her, oh, I sold this imitation set. To a major in the other tent, she immediately knows it's Frank, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> she knows that he bought this real set of pearls for his wife and is going to give her this like cheap imitation set and just kind of play it off as if they're real. And so she says to him when he gives it to her that 
if you rub the pearls against your teeth, either real ones feel grainy and fake ones feel smooth or the other way around, something like that. And I just want to say that my entire life after watching this episode as a child, (laughs) every time I saw a string of pearls (laughs) in my mother's or my grandmother's jewelry box, I would rub that shit against my teeth (laughs) so much. Being like, is this real? Is this real? Is this real? But to this day, I don't know if that's a real thing to do and which one is which. Because obviously Margaret was trying to like get one over on Frank. So she would say, you know, whichever one. Um, And so I just I have a special place in my heart for this when she when they're both like rubbing the, Mm -hmm. the string of pearls against their teeth. It's just so funny for me. See, way back a good few episodes ago, like in season one. You had mentioned something about, like, oh, this scene's weird because, like, in the COVID times, like, you wouldn't blow on stuff. It was like they're blowing Mm -hmm, at a birthday mm -hmm. cake and you're like, ah, that feels weird. And I wasn't necessarily thinking about COVID, but, like, Margaret rubs her teeth on these pearls. And then immediately when she's not looking, Frank also, like, rubs his teeth (laughs) on them. I was like, don't do that. That's how you spread germs. You're both going to get sick. (laughs) You don't know where this prop has been. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is so funny. That's hysterical. I yes, this was this was just so I, I don't know mm-hmm. everything about this pearl scene. I knew that this was gonna be in this episode, and I was so hyped for it. And I was like, ah, I just I just love it. <laughs> and then uh, I thought this was like kind of risque for the show to do, showing uh like Margaret in the shower as uh Frank swaps them out. I was like, ooh, that that feels a little uh racy for uh 1974 cbs or wherever this aired you don't see it often i feel like you see the guys in the shower a little bit more but it's not completely devoid of i guess the women showering but yeah no it it feels like any type of nudity back then feels like very risque almost Mm -hmm. um so that was i feel like the first time we had like a nurse actually like in the shower i don't know Um, Um, and then her little like laugh that she does after she (laughs) notices that Frank swapped out the pearls. It was, it was so good. Like I said, when I was watching this, when I was younger, I don't know if I understood that that's what she was doing necessarily. (laughs) I mean, watching it as an adult, I obviously got it, but for context, she says that, oh, when you feel it on your teeth, like that's the fake one. And she made it seem like Frank actually gave her the real one. So he switched yeah. it to give her the actual real one. I was like, Margaret, you're so clever. I love you. <laughs> what a con man. What a what a delightful <laughs> little scamp when she wants to be. <laughs> I know. I loved it. So we kind of go from one con job to another fraud. Let's talk about the main plot, really, in this episode, which I thought was so, so good. Um, It reminded me a lot of the episode The Incubator for a few reasons. There's a character from that episode in this episode later. But in The Incubator, uh, Radar tells Hawkeye and Trapper, like, oh, you should have came to me first because I'm the, I'm the man who knows how to get things. And then... When Hawkeye is complaining very offhandedly while making a hot dog about missing out on $3,000, apparently Radar takes very serious note of that and just (laughs) casually defrauds the U.S. government of $3,000 and just gives it to Hawkeye. (laughs) 
And I, of course, I looked it up on Inflation Calculator, and $3,000 back then would be $35,000 now. So Hawkeye was gonna get in trouble for sure. This was not a small sum of money. Yeah. I love that Radar did this because Hawkeye gave him the $10 surplus, as if these (laughs) two are equivalent. Yeah, and it's just like Radar. Why did you take him seriously? What are you? What are you doing, dude? And Radar was just like, "Hey, you just fill out enough forms. You're gonna get whatever." <laughs> we love con men. This is a big con man episode. This is a big con episode. Um, I wanted to mention. So Radar gives Hawkeye this three thousand dollars. First of all, they got it extraordinarily quickly. Like mm-hmm. Radar fills out the form, and then in a matter of hours. They just have $3,000 at their camp. Okay. All right. (laughs) That may be the most unrealistic thing. He can get Um, things done. Okay. The little (laughs) man knows what he's doing. That's true. I shouldn't question Radar's abilities. So Radar gives this $3,000 to Hawkeye in the officer's club. And I don't know if you noticed this, but the bartender, (laughs) Hawkeye says, uh, he calls him Mr. Quang. And I'm like, this is not Mr. Quang from like two episodes ago. What the heck? (laughs) See that I just took as a different man with the last name of Quang and or Quan. Because, you know, that's a fairly common last name. I did not clock that as like a recasting I was no. just like, yeah, that, that's another this man me, with the, this the same name. This to me is another continuity issue. And I'm like, bruh, what the hell? <laughs> We're going to have to go back to when they first introduced the Officers Club and see what the bartender's name is there to see if it is a continuity failure and or just two men sharing the same last name. Because you never I mean, know. it's for sure possible. I'd love to think that maybe, maybe... <laughs> But I'm pretty sure that the bartender there is named Mr. Quang. <laughs> I could be wrong, but we will figure this out. We'll get to the bottom of this. Um, I really liked in the scene. Again, all Hawkeye wants to do is basically date this girl for the evening. And then when Radar gives him the money, she's like, oh, I think I'm in love, um, which is very <laughs> funny. And then he knows that it's a very serious crime. So he basically tries to get rid of it as soon as possible. He's not grateful at all. Yeah, this felt very in character for Hawkeye, of course, because he is basically claiming he should get this uh, reparations or compensation from the war for being so like shitty to them. And then as soon as that money lands in his lap, he is like, absolutely not. This is not honest. This is not right. I have to give this away. So Mm -hmm. what does he do? He gives it to Father Mulcahy for the orphans, who, by the way... By the way, was in the officers club playing ragtime on the piano as Hawkeye is trying to have this romantic evening with this nurse. And that just also felt very mashed to me that Father Mulcahy, the priest, was just there playing ragtime, interrupting Mm -hmm. this romantic date. Loved that. (laughs) I love the Father Mulcahy stuff because it's such the Hawkeye solution to things, right? Like he's always, you know, Hawkeye's mischievous. He's always pulling some stuff. But when it comes down to it, he will always, like, prioritize what is the best for everyone. Mm -hmm. So his solution to giving away this money is not to return it to the U.S. government. He's like, no, no, no. There are people who need it more, such as the orphans from Mother (laughs) Teresa, which I just greatly enjoyed the fact that 
Hawkeye just always chooses like the right thing in the end, and he does yeah. this so casually. He's just like, "Yeah, here you go. I don't want this money, <laughs> so it's best use where people actually make something like good out of it." Yeah, he is almost like repulsed by the money. He's like, Radar, this isn't mine. I can't keep this. But then he just <laughs> summarily gives it away, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is so funny. He, he acknowledges it, that it's not his. And he's just like, yeah, but it's not mine to keep. So it must be mine to just give away. <laughs> so he yeah. just gives it to Father Mulcahy as if that's a solution at all. <laughs> he doesn't even think, oh, I have to give it back to the U.S. government. It's immediately, oh, I have to give this to a better cause. And if it's not me, then I'm off the hook, of course. I mean, Hawkeye, as we've talked about, really doesn't enjoy the military bureaucracy. So why would he give it back to that system when he could give it to some people so they could have food and blankets, everybody? Like, come on. No, definitely. I think that Hawkeye made the right decision. And I think that Mm -hmm. most people would think that Hawkeye made the right decision. Um, so right after Hawkeye gives away this money to Father Mulcahy, they go back to the swamp and Trapper comes in begging Hawkeye (laughs) for money. And Mm -hmm. like you said, Hawkeye just wants to go on a date with this nurse and have it end happily. And everybody is working against him. And Trapper's like, come on, let me steal money. Let, let, like, let me take, let me borrow some money from you. Let me borrow some money. It's established that Trapper apparently has terrible luck. Oh, he's like the worst gambler in the world. Yeah, apparently. What does he do? What does he do? He steals Hawkeye's watch. And that was just the breaking point for me. I was just in hysterics after this. Okay. And it was just... <laughs> I was just like, what is happening in this episode? This is just too insane. Because Hawkeye and Trapper have this whole exchange about how Trapper's luck is terrible when it comes to gambling. And then he steals his watch at the end of it. And I was like, what's going on? This is so crazy. This episode is a Rube Goldberg machine of, of building consequences. I didn't even like, yeah, I was just like, okay, he's a gambling addict. He's going to steal stuff. But I'm I'm so glad that you are like, this is hilarious and insane. It was so funny. (laughs) I was like, this this just really tops it. (laughs) And then this this poor nurse, I don't know if this is exactly when this happens, but you know, she hits a breaking point with everybody kind of barging in. And she's like, I'll see you after the war. And I felt so (laughs) bad. I was really hoping that like things would work out for Hawkeye in this one. And then it kind of doesn't because like immediately after that, this man from HQ comes in and is like, yo, (laughs) bro, you defrauded the government. You're going to jail. And he's like, I didn't do it. Like I was given the money. I don't, it was so real. Like if this like somehow actually happened, right. And you somehow ended up with $3,000 you didn't want you wouldn't even be like angry about it. You'd be like, I I didn't want this in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) It was funny because you had mentioned that this gave you reminiscent vibes of the incubator. And this guy from HQ, his character was actually in the incubator. Um, And 
I agree with you that this episode gives those vibes because it, the incubator was very like form heavy almost where it was like, well, you didn't fill out like whatever crazy form. And then in this episode, they filled out the crazy form and now Hawkeye's in trouble for it. So mm-hmm. it was it was very funny to see that kind of come back in this episode, especially with this character. I really like seeing this guy again because he's just so dry he reminds me a lot of the the teacher in Ferris Bueller, the uh, character played by Ben Stein. Just this yeah. man who is such a charisma vacuum that it becomes hilarious. Um, that that's how I felt. And again, just Hawkeye's absolute exasperation at this entire situation of just like, oh, I guess I'm going to jail. And there's nothing that I could do, so I might as well just kind of go along with it, was so funny. Yeah, because after this guy shows up and says, yeah, you defrauded the U.S. government of $3,000, which we know now is so much more money than $3,000, you're going to go to jail. And (laughs) so... Like we said, it's established that they're playing this poker game. They've been playing this poker game basically all night. And before this guy takes Hawkeye away, they have to go sign off with uh, with the commanding officer, Henry Blake, who is in the middle of playing poker. <laughs> and Henry is just ignoring it the, enti- mm-hmm. the entire time. Uh-huh. He's just like, yeah, yeah, don't worry. We'll handle it. Because it's established before that Henry is like, oh, I just want to go play poker and I don't have that much money. And so he's there. He's frustrated, all this kind of stuff. And so <laughs> he is just so like, yeah, Pierce, we'll handle it. Don't worry. <laughs> and I just, I loved that. I loved that so much. And then I love that, you know, the show is very much about like, the bureaucracy of the U.S. government, how they the gears of America grind slowly. But for this one evening, we could do everything so quickly. We could get $3,000. <laughs> we could send an official to get the $3,000 back. But Hawkeye decides to donate that money to the orphanage. And the guy is like, well, I want that money back anyway. Like, that, <laughs> it's so... And a comedy of errors, if you will. It was it was like yeah. a perfect little like absurdist play this episode. <laughs> it was very funny. And I liked how the guy I think his name is Captain Sloan, how Sloan was coming um to arrest Hawkeye, like, Oh, well, I want the money back and then Father Mulcahy says, Oh, well, we gave it to the orphans and then he like threatens Father Mulcahy too. And it's just yeah. like this guy is just feeding orphans. Please don't arrest him. <laughs> he's like he's gun ho on arresting literally yeah. everyone at any opportunity. It was yeah, so weird. apparently. <laughs> So anyway, like we like we said, it kind of all culminates into this one scene where Hawkeye is like, hey, Henry, they're taking me away. And Henry's like, yeah, 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 I'm playing poker. And then it comes about that Trapper actually has a stroke of luck and he wins at poker. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect irony. he, He is taking the pool and he says to Hawkeye, oh, yeah, I used your watch. And then Hawkeye is like, you stole my watch? What the hell? And I that that also made it made Trapper stealing the watch so much funnier to me because Hawkeye was so incensed that Trapper stole the watch. He's like, "All right, well, you stole my watch, so I'm giving all this money to pay back this guy. So we're all even now." <laughs> yeah, and it was so funny that like in this poker game run by people who are constantly saying that they have no money somehow accumulated three thousand dollars 
Yeah. What, what what are we rolling in here? I, I incredible, know. incredible. That is insane. But uh, just how quickly this happens, right? Because it's literally in the same like breath. Uh, that trapper wins this money, and Hawkeye, you know, using the watch stealing as the compensation for paying mm-hmm. this guy, it was in the same instant. So how angry Trapper gets, I thought was so <laughs> funny. And um, but like knowing where Trapper goes and like how Trapper kind of leaves the show very soon. I was like, is this why he leaves the show in the way that he does? Was he that mad? <laughs> hey, it's a possibility. Fan theories all around. It, c- it could definitely be. Maybe he was just done with Hawkeye <laughs> for taking his money. Because <laughs> he even says, we've been through thick and thick. We should be able to be like bros about this. <laughs> but no, he just gives away his $35,000 equivalent. <laughs> <laughs> And, okay, also, not on that exact point, but the fact that the guy just automatically takes it instead of mm-hmm. being like, no, I'm not taking this because you still defrauded the U.S. government. So uh, <laughs> he just accepts these poker winnings as compensation for the $3,000 that Hawkeye allegedly stole. And it's like, well, well, that really doesn't solve anything, but See? okay. <laughs> Here's where it it works, though, because this man knows that he donated it to the orphanage. So maybe in his like actual human soul, he's like, okay, so that's like he did a good thing here. Like, yes, he stole Mm -hmm. from us, but it wasn't like he blew it all on like booze or whatever. So that's true. The money's gone. And then he gets the money back. So it's not like any harm was done. I'm going to defend this man for a bit. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And I also feel like that's almost, it was not necessarily supposed to be like hard commentary, but I feel like that was a little bit of like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Isn't the US government just so incompetent that they're like, oh yeah, you stole money from us. As long as we get it back, we don't really care. I mean, fair. Like if someone stole money (laughs) from me and then gave it back, I'd be like, yeah, okay, sure. Like, buddy, (laughs) it, it all comes out in the wash. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. That's so funny. This was a great ending, too, because the rest of them are all sitting around the poker table. And it's so cute when Radar says, okay, does anyone know how to play Go Fish or, you Mm -hmm. know, just Gin Rummy or whatever, like his little kitty card games are? I thought that that was just such a cute point at the end of the episode. Hey, man, he he may be able to defraud the government, but at his core, he's just like a a soft little guy who, uh, you know... (laughs) <laughs> he loves to play goldfish. Can you blame him? <laughs> no, for sure not. So, Vanessa, I think it's time that I guess what your favorite <laughs> Henry line of all time is. If you're a true listener of the show, if you're a true hardcore fan, you'll know that in, like, episode two, Vanessa almost brought this line up and was like, no, no, we'll save it, we'll save it. <laughs> I did, I did. Um... <laughs> Oh God, I I remember I remember saying no, I'll save it till we get there, and now we're finally here. I'm so excited. Um, do you want to take a gander at what it is? Yes, you uh, off mic have said that it's not a particularly impressive line, so I have <laughs> one guess, and if I'm wrong, I will eat my shoe. Um, <laughs> um, so 
Henry says, I'm not old enough to be his father, am I? I went to his... Was Is that it? No, no it's not. No! Eat your shoe, Ethan, right now. Okay. Om nom nom nom. This is an audio <laughs> medium. You don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> okay. Now, I, uh, I thought that that line was funny. But my favorite Henry line is when the ending scene where Hawkeye is saying to Henry, hey... You know, I, I'm being arrested, and then Trapper wins the the pool, and Hawkeye immediately takes it and gives it to this guy, and you know they they all walk out, and Henry says, "Boy, I wish I knew what was going on. <laughs> I should have known. I should have known." And right before we we started doing this show, I had watched this episode, uh-huh. and. I was on the floor just dying because I feel like that encapsulates Henry Blake so well. Hawkeye, the main character of the show, the best surgeon that they have. I wish at this I minute, knew what was going on. He's about to get arrested for defrauding the U.S. government of a very large sum of money, and and then he narrowly escapes it. And Henry just sits back and goes, "Boy, I wish I knew what was going on." <laughs> I should have known. It's my favorite. It's my favorite line of the show. It's my favorite Henry line. This might be just like in general one of my favorite episodes of this show. I know I said wow. that at the top, but it really truly is. See, I went for the more sentimental route. I was like, you really like the radar Henry relationship. And I thought that the I don't look old enough to be his father, do I? Was the like, you know, final nail. In that, like, I thought you were going to really resonate with how father-son they are. But, yeah, now that you've said that, I'm like, no, no, no. The I don't know line. Just, that tracks. (laughs) That is Henry incarnate. I need that on a magnet. I need that on a shirt. I need that everywhere. Because, honestly, I don't know what's going on half the time. So (laughs) To red bubble we go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so do you have any other lines that you really liked in this episode? We, We already know my favorite. Um, have to shout out this really simple line that I think Henry says when Klinger is deciding to bribe him with, like, the little <laughs> bit of money he has. Yes. Uh, he says, Klinger, you're lower than a pregnant snail. Like, that is, that is <laughs> peak Henryism right there. Like, who thinks of that? It really that? is. I loved that, too. I loved that scene. We didn't get to talk about it, but... I loved that when Klinger gives Henry this money and Henry goes, what is this? And Klinger just does not mince words and says, this is a bribe. <laughs> oh, okay. Thanks. Good job, Klinger. Which is so in character for him too, because you know, he's is. not shy about wanting to get out of the army. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Have to also shout out that apparently Hawkeye's go-to flirt line is just calling various women whip sandwiches because he called one before. (laughs) And in this episode, he called the girl he's dating a whip sandwich as well. And she's like, that's (laughs) so cool, which is just so odd. That is not the compliment I would like to hear in that situation. Please and thank you. Uh, Yeah, that's a little gross, I think. I would not. I would not want to hear the words lip sandwich come out of anyone's mouth. (laughs) Um, Last line I have written down. Um. When Klinger comes to the line to get paid and Frank kind of intercepts him and (laughs) Frank says, just where do you get the gall to show up for payday dressed as a $2 streetwalker? And then Klinger, 
with all the worry in the world in his eyes, says, I was worried about these earrings with tweed, as if he is... (laughs) So worried about looking cheap while he goes to show up to be paid. I love Klinger's sense of fashion. He really he really knows his stuff. Listen, man, he does know what he's doing, which I think is like what makes this joke work is that how invested he is in his appearance that he like wants to look good uh, while like <laughs> being a goofball. It's true. It's true. I, I appreciate that from Klinger. So Vanessa, with all the talk of fraud out of the way, Do you have any trivia for us in this episode? I do. I have some trivia on Eldon Quick, who played Captain Sloan in this episode, our favorite uh, stoic boy. (laughs) Our favorite Ferris Bueller teacher-esque guy, (laughs) Mr. Ben Stein before Ben Stein. Before Ben Stein was cool. Um, Okay. So Eldon Quick played Captain Sloan in The Incubator, like we said, and he will also reappear in season six as Captain Sloan. But not before he reappears under a different name as a different captain in season four. Good to know that they'll just recast anybody on this show. That is, uh, <laughs> that's an odd charm of it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Especially because he showed up so late in season three. And then I know the episode where he shows up in season four. And it's so early on that you're like, man, <laughs> Twin brother. Yeah, hey, maybe, who knows? Just a guy who looks suspiciously like this other guy. Okay, so back to Eldon Quick. So he was born in San Joaquin County in California in 1937. And Quick is an alum of the American Shakespeare Festival, which is where he made his professional acting debut. Quick was definitely one of those people who you saw constantly on TV shows through the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Um mm-hmm. He did guest spots on so many popular TV shows, uh, some including Gomer Pyle, Bewitched, Charlie's Angels, The Rockford Files, The Waltons, one of my personal favorites, Little House on the Prairie, Twilight Zone, and um, The Young and the Restless, which was a soap opera. Wow, we love a broad range. This man touched all the pop culture. (laughs) Yes, yes. And by all accounts that I have found, Quick is still alive and is 86 years old. Nice. That's lovely to hear. Perhaps he'll guess on this podcast if we ask him to. (laughs) Would love that. Would love that. Okay, Ethan, I think we know what my martini rating for this episode will be, but what is yours? You know, honestly, talking to you about this one, just having a great time. And this episode's really great and really fun. It's like what I want from the pure comedy ones gonna have to go very high and just give it a five. I in my heart (laughs) and soul. I would just be a jerk if I if I give it lower than a five. Agree, agree. I'm at a five as well. I think that as an episode of the show as a whole, it's probably more along the lines of like a four. But just in my heart of hearts, I know mm-hmm. that this is for sure a five. I think that this might be one that I would show somebody to introduce them to oh, Nash because absolutely. it's so like zany and so crazy and so many moving mm-hmm. parts that with the comedy being as good as it is too, um, I think it kind of just encapsulates the characters really well about who they are and what they're what what they're all about and stuff like that. So definitely a five out of five for me. This episode is just like a pure good time. And I will always appreciate those episodes so much. And have to shout out the writers 
of this episode. They really knocked it out of the park with so many of the heavier dialogue scenes. They just like jokes on top of jokes on top of jokes just so quickly. And I, I always really, really appreciate that because like we've said previously, it makes it feel really realistic, but also still being so funny. So I, I really uh, just no complaints. Yeah. And it has your favorite line of the show of all time. So like <laughs> they did yes. a good job. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. <laughs> so just to wrap up, we'd like to give thanks to Jacob for your Balco for being our technical consultant, Melissa, my sister for cover art, and of course, our listeners. Our music, social media, and contacts for the show are linked in the description, as always. And join us next week for Season 3, Episode 23, White Gold. But until then, don't steal your friend's watch for poker. <laughs> Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Bye, everyone. <laughs>